0: Here we go. Jake and Josh are here (laughs) to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thanks for tuning in
1: to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. We are here to get you ready for the weekend. The Miami Dolphins are not playing, but we thought this would be a good time to reflect on the biggest surprises from the 2023 season. And to do that, I got to welcome my friend Cat at Brian Cat NFL. Happy Friday, my friend.
2: Happy Friday. Uh not a uh, not a game to look forward to this weekend, but uh you know, it's kind of nice to have a week off. Uh, not you know, I always want to see the Dolphins play, but you know, being able just to sit back and watch watch the action and watch the rest of the league. Uh you know, it's a decent change for one week.
1: Yeah, it's a nice little break in the action. You do anything different during the bye weeks in terms of uh, trying to watch football?
2: No, no, I kind of keep it the same. I mean, I'm I'm, like I say, I'm an NFL fan first and a a Dolphins fan second. I I know a lot of our listeners that might be reversed, but, uh, you know, I I I like uh, the other teams, too.
1: How dare you like good football? And I bet you like bad football, too, like the Jets.
2: Uh, yeah, that's that's really bad, and <laughs> I mean, the Jets over the last two weeks have scored 19 points and they've allowed 12 sacks. Um, and they should have lost both of those games at home. Um, one of which, I mean, they got they got handled convincingly by Justin Herbert and the Chargers, what 27 to six. And then the week before, they had to have a last minute drive to send the game into overtime when the Giants threw for eight yards. So, it's getting to the point now where when the Dolphins play them twice in the next five weeks, here I mean it. I don't care how good the Jets' defense is; like you score twenty points on this team, you're going to win the game.
1: Yeah, I, I was like two weeks ago. I would have kind of fought back on that a little bit. I think that hey, they were winning games with Zach Wilson, but I mean it's just been so ugly lately. Like, you see just the difference of a special teams touchdown just makes, and even just even if it was a solid kick return, just kind of can derail whatever the Jets want to do.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm trying to think how many. Touchdown passes Zach Wilson has this year. I I I, don't, I wonder if he's still at five. Um, but yeah, it's it's ugly. It's ugly football uh, there for the Jets, and you know now the Dolphins have more motivation to put the Jets away because look, Aaron Rodgers could be back this season, and if the Dolphins can stifle them twice in the next five weeks here, and you know they also play at Buffalo and they play at home against a Texans team that's suddenly looking legitimate, you know, there may not be a bigger point for Aaron Rodgers to return this year. Let's start
1: with the AFC East in general. The Dolphins lead the division with a record of six and three. What's just your biggest surprise of the uh, division through four games, especially just considering the standings, Pats and last?
2: Well, so the Patriots being bad is not, you know, I didn't expect it to be two and seven bad, but I, I also didn't think, You know, they've they've won 10 games in 2021. They won eight last year. And I expected them to, at best, be an eight-win team. So it doesn't surprise me that they're not doing well this year. But, you know, I really look at the Bills, where, you know, the the Bills every year, it seems like they start out really red hot, and then they have this lull in the middle of the year. Um, You know, last year, for example, they lost, you know, there was like a five-game stretch where they barely beat three. It not so good. Jags, team. I think. Uh that was two years ago. They lost nine to six to Urban Meyer and the in the in the Jags. Yeah. That's another example. Where they start out really hot and then they hit a lull in the middle of the season. And then they're hot at the end of the year, too. I mean, last year, yeah, barely beat Green Bay on Sunday night, lost to the Jets, lost to the Vikings in overtime in that Justin Jefferson one-hand catch game. Then barely beat the Browns Lions on Thursday night. And then they started roaring back of the season and, and ended up winning thir- what 13 games. Um, so, yeah, that's, there's a, but to me now, when you look at the Dolphins or the Bills since they, they beat the Dolphins, you know, heading into that Dolphins game, they scored 38 points, 37 points, and then they put 48 on the board against the Dolphins. Since then, lost convincingly to the Jaguars. They beat the Giants by five in a game they should have lost to Tyrod Taylor and It's just a terrible game they lost at new england to as one of their two wins they beat the bucks by six on on a a play that came down to the last hail mary on the game in the game and then last week they lose to cincinnati so now it's getting to that point where it's like okay is this something the bills just do in the middle of every year or are they legitimately not a very good football team we're going to find that out here in the coming weeks here
1: which which way are you leaning
2: as far as their record. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you think they're going to be that bounce back team we've seen over the last couple of years? Or do you think this might be the year where, you know, they're finally going to like, not bottom out, but just kind of spin out of control a little bit.
2: Yeah. I, I see the Dolph, I see the week 18 game against the Dolphins not being for the division title. Cause I, I think that they're, the Dolphins are going to win the division before that. I say that because you just look at the schedule. I mean, the next 5 games the dolphins play the jets twice titans at home raiders at home and at the commanders those are 5 games you're going to be favored comfortably in if you're the dolphins let's even say they go 4 and 1 and they're 10 and 4 on the season then they play the cowboys at home at baltimore and at and and at home against buffalo um you look at the bill schedule though i mean they still have gauntlet yeah they they play at philadelphia they they're 5 and 4 they play at philly at KC, at the Chargers, at the Dolphins, and at home against the Cowboys, which is no easy game, and at home against you know the Broncos, that should be the, their easiest one this Monday night, but at home against the Jets and at home against the Patriots, two games they should probably win, but games they lost this mm-hmm. year to those exact teams. So I, I don't see the 11 wins. So I, that's what I think gives the Dolphins the division before week 18
1: i sign me up. I'm in. Let's just simulate, simulate to the end there. Um, th- what, what are your thoughts about this? Because I've been trying to think about this Dolphins team. And if they win the next five games, what's the dialogue if then they go one and three to end the year against the three hard teams again? And then I'd also like to get your thoughts. What's the dialogue if over the next five weeks they go three and two? and then just absolutely shock everyone and, and beat the, you know, win the last three. I, I think there's so many different ways this Dolphins team can be looked at just based on the schedule and how the games line up.
2: Yeah, if they went three and two in the next five games, I'd be really disappointed. Um, Same. Because, yeah, I mean, you either really got upset at home against the Jets, mm-hmm. Titans, Raiders, at least one of those teams, and I think you should comfortably beat all three teams at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they did that, that means their two losses came at New York and at Washington against two not very good teams, but they were on the road. Now you've got a major problem heading into the last three weeks. So, look, I, I said on the show here before the, the Eagles game, if you want to prevent the narrative the Dolphins can't beat a good team, you've got to beat the Eagles or you got to beat the Chiefs. You can't lose to both of them. Well, they did. Now, that doesn't mean the season's over. Throw your arms up. I mean, Christ. <laughs> they if. What happens, what we just talked about, that the Dolphins win the next five games, that they'll be heavily favored in, they'll be at 11 wins for the first time in 20 years. I mean,
1: so uh, early, too.
2: Yeah, it's so the narrative will still be there that we can't change, but they're going to have opportunities in the final three weeks of the season against the Cowboys at home uh, at the Ravens and against the Bills at home and presumably the playoffs.
1: One of the things that made me a little disappointed about last week's game to the Chiefs was we were all so excited to see the Dolphins getting healthy, right? Teron Armstead's back. You have Xavier and Howard stepping in. And the Dolphins still struggled at times, right? They, they come away. They arrive back from Germany with the loss. So my question here is when you consider that the Dolphins in each of the last three games haven't had a running back over 100 yards. How big of a surprise has it been to see Devon Achan average 115 yards per game? And that includes a game where he had one carry against the New England Patriots.
2: Right. And I think he's, what, 16th in the league in rushing still? Yep. And he's played 14 three...
1: yards behind Tony Pollard in half the games. It's crazy. Yeah.
2: And I even that Broncos game where he ran for 200 plus, I don't think he got his first carry until like halfway through the second quarter or the third yep. quarter. So really, you're talking about like two and a half games where... So, but the bigger picture, and that's fun to talk about, but the thing about him returning is, despite Raheem Mostert leading the NFL in touchdowns and fourth in rushing yards, Devon H.A. has the ability to go off script a lot more at running back. And I mean that because Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, look, they're, they're very good system backs. They follow the hole, but the opposing defense knows where the hole is, too. And they're able to flood flood the gaps a lot more easily. Devon Achan, you look at a few of the plays he had this year. You know, he caught one of the he caught a pass, broke a tackle. You know, twisted a few guys' ankles, and and goes goes up for a twenty-plus yard gain. Those are the off-script plays that are difficult to defend. And when the Dolphins have faced these three uh, outstanding defenses—the Bills, the Eagles, and um, the Chiefs. In the first half of those games, any running back who is not named uh, Devon Achan had 12 carries for 13 yards in the first half of all three games. So that's not to take anything away from the the numbers they've put up this year or the speed that they have, but these good defenses in the first quarter or the first half have absolutely immediately taken away the running game. I think you get Achan back in there. That's not the case.
1: Yeah, I like the point you brought up because too you think about it, how H N can make a bunch of different guys mix. Uh, miss, excuse me. When you look at Moster, I think his game changer is when that defender is coming at him in the hole and he just runs them over. It's a completely different dynamic, despite them both operating in that wide zone scheme. Um, how does Moster and H N do you think coexist? I think one of the most interesting dynamics last year was just trying to figure out how you can feed Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Now you have both of those guys. You have most who, you know, you said he has 400 rushing yards, league best 11 um, rushing touchdowns. He's not going to go away. How do all these guys get fed?
2: Well, I would say that to me, what I'd like to see happen is I, I don't want H.N. to be put in there in these next five games and is immediately splitting time or getting the most carries on the roster. And the reason I say that is because, look, He's 5'9", 190 pounds. If you start giving him 20, 25 touches a game, I don't want him broken in the final three games of the year in the playoffs. And Raheem Mostert at home and against, let's face it, teams that are not as good has has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's when, you know, he becomes more the focal point against great defenses is when he struggles. But, no, I want I want chan on the field getting touches, but not, as many as I want to see him get in the last three games and the last three games, empty the clip, give him as many touches as you can. Um, So that that's where I'm at. That's where I am on that. And then from that point, you know, Jeff Wilson, I I like him as a power component, but I'm not too concerned with whether or not he gets fed and Savant Ahmed, uh, you know, where I stand on him. He should be off the roster when HN comes back.
1: But Was it surprising? I don't want to get too far down the street. Was it surprising for you to see Jeff Wilson get four targets against the chiefs? I thought that was real weird.
2: A little high. Yeah. I mean, especially with him out in the field on what third and 20, like what's Jeff Wilson going to do except block. Yeah. I think
1: they they dumped it off to him and he was one and one against the linebacker. And all I could think, he just doesn't have the speed to have the separation and to make that play. So I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. Um, There were a
2: lot, there were a few things in that game. that are a little weird. And that was, that was one of them. And, you know, Savan Ahmed being out there in the first quarter, give me a break. I mean, what wh- what do the you do? Tackle was brutal
1: because he had what was it like? A, it was like a third and sixteen or something, I think, where they were gonna they were gonna, they faked it out to Hill and then they tossed it forward to Ahmed and he got past the line of scrimmage, but I think a lineman just wrapped him with one hand or something and he couldn't break it. It was so yeah,
2: it, it it was that it was that no look pass uh, that HN scored on twice uh, against the Broncos. Same <laughs> same exact thing and. You break an ankle tackle and you're going a long way. And oh, yes. Achmed can't do that. I mean, it's it's look. You you take a look. You just go down the the yards per carry for for the Dolphins running backs. What well, you've got, you've got, H N at, at 12.1. You've got Mostert at 5.6. Chris Brooks at 6.3. Uh, uh, you've got even Jeff Wilson at 4.1. Savon Akmed is at 2.9 yards a carry on this offense. So not good enough in – they, they, yeah, it just doesn't make sense for him to be on the team after this week. Bring back Miles Gaskin. You know, I, like the, <laughs> I like the point you
1: brought up about um, uh, emptying the clip in the final three weeks. Seeing that we have a season and a half of this Dolphins coaching staff and their mindset uh, in the rearview mirror it does kind of seem like they might do that. They might try to ease Chan back in. And I think that's important to keep in mind for fantasy managers because it does make a lot of sense. you consider that Connor Williams has been held at at times. John Armstead, I think there could be a debate that he didn't even have to go on IR. Maybe he could have been good to go two, three weeks, but they're really focused on making sure this straight stays upright and just continues to move forward.
2: Yeah, now the Dolphins can stand to benefit from having everybody back. And if there's one positive from the Chiefs game, I mean, there are several positives from what we saw, but the major thing is, to my knowledge, nobody got hurt. And now you take a look at when the Dolphins come back from their bye week. We we expect Robert Hunt to be back. And when he is back, the Dolphins will start Teron, Armstead, Connor Williams, and Robert Hunt for the first game this season, all three of them. So that's nice. And you look on the other side of the ball, the Dolphins were completely healthy for the first time against the Chiefs all season. Now we have an additional bye week to rest up even more. So, yeah, it's really nice how this uh, how the Dolphins injury report has significantly turned around here after the bye.
1: You hinted at it. The next big surprise. Did you have any idea that the Dolphins offense they're not even okay. They're not just passing by. I' out there to say they've been good so far
2: this year. Oh, their offense is number one in the league. I mean, most most yards, most points. Now a lot of that was racked up yardage, granted. But look, if you could do what the Dolphins did offensively by just beating up on bad teams, everybody would do it. Right. And so there's that. And you know what they have to get figured out is when they go on the road, they just they're not they're just not the same for a lot of reasons. And and that to me is is the crux of why they they're they're struggling against these elite teams. I mean, I I think. Uh, Chris Kaufman from the three yards per carry podcast said it really well is, you know, it's kind of, i will paraphrasing what he's saying, but it's like it, the dolphins get swept up in this and put under this umbrella as a team that that can't win big games, can't rise to the level of the competition, but it's when the offense is disrupted in any way, that's when the struggles happen. And when you take a look here, and I, I tweeted this here a couple of days ago, if you take the, the games against the bills, the Eagles, um, and the Chiefs, the three losses, the Dolphins, after the first two drives of the Bills game where they had back to back touchdown drives, you know, and that's 14 to 14. They had 27 drives on offense after those first two touchdowns over these three games. Right. Um, of those 27 drives, five ended in an in interception or a lost fumble. Five ended on turnover on downs. Nine ended in a punt where the Dolphins were facing either second or third and 15 or more. Um throughout that drive, meaning they shot themselves in the foot. So seven over 70% of those drives for the Dolphins ended in just chaos, turning the ball over, giving the ball to the other team, or having to punt because you shot yourself in the foot. So they've got to get that corrected, and they've got to prove that they can go into a place like Baltimore late in the season and take them down. Could it be
1: something as simple as just – maybe simplifying things once in a while because you know I remember Germany then all the fans going crazy and the Dolphins still did a great job of unpacking a play they had two different guys go in motion the play looked completely different by the snap but as I think back to these games it never felt like the Dolphins had you know five or six bread and butter plays where it's just get to the line and snap the ball maybe no hurry just kind of keep the pace going where it seems like every play I understand the importance of the motion and how it helps this offense but I kind of wish they could just kind of get like four generic, I, I this is kind of lazy, but like Madden plays that just work and, and they're comfortable doing it. And it doesn't take, you know, a, a song and dance before the ball's even snapped.
2: Yeah, I'm hundred percent on board with you. And the, the proof of that too, is if you look at, you know, in the second half, when they just started going power eye and running the ball up the middle and working mm-hmm. off play action, that's when they started to move the ball consistently. And, you know, cause, you're on the a big part of this is I mean, there are a lot of factors in play here, but, you know, the Dolphins offense to do what they do have to move quickly. They have to get the ball it, two has to get the ball out of his hands quickly and into the hands of the playmakers. And it also involves a lot of motion with all that going on. If you're in a loud environment against a quality defense, there's more room for mistakes. We are seeing those mistakes. So when you go into the power, eye formation and kind of simplify things, it slows everything down it takes down the temperature in the room they have to look we love the excitement but they have to show the ability to do that more often yeah just
1: staying calm under pressure I think that'd go a long way so many different levers to pull in that offense I mean just just keeping it simple once in a while could be a huge benefit so Tua leads the league with the with the best time to throw of 2.38 seconds Cat, when you consider that is it surprising to you how well this offensive line is playing or is it just the product of these offense and getting the ball out quick
2: yeah definitely both i mean this offensive line would be playing we would think that they're playing well even if he held on to the ball a little bit longer but it helps that he doesn't mm-hmm. and you know going back to something you've referenced the the PFF you know grades of offensive lines 1 to 32 that they update every week the dolphins are 8th in this here right now heading into the bye week i think they were 27th before the year and that's when everyone was healthy Mm -hmm. but it was thought of you know austin jackson's a complete liability and he is you know i don't think he's played as great as a lot of people think but uh, he's at the very worst in average tackle this year uh compared to the rest of the league and now they're getting back robert hunt uh connor williams even i mean connor williams one of the best run blocking centers in, in the game and then at left tackle Tron Armstead, if he's able to take the field, he's going to play at a Pro Bowl level. Um, and, and left guard, you know, Isaiah went a big loss, but they've, I, I don't see the left guard position ruining the rest of the season for the I Dolphins. Agree.
1: Yeah, uh, Kendall Lamb allowed three sacks, Liam Eikenberg's at two, then Lester Cotton, Robert Hunt, and Austin Jackson have at least, have all allowed just one sack. Something, I think, Austin Jackson, I agree with you. He hasn't been fantastic, but he does deserve the gold star because I think I'd take, uh, just to kind of simplify it a little bit, I think I'd take an offensive lineman who's maybe a 74 or 75 overall in Madden over someone who might be an 83, 84, but they're going to miss four or five games just getting banged up. I think that's been the most impressive thing about Jackson is just the availability.
2: Yeah, the availability. And yeah, I mean, he hasn't, I think he's the guy that would have let up a few more sacks if Tua had held onto the ball longer but you know, look, the system's not going anywhere and two is going to continue to get rid of the ball quickly. So Austin Jackson, I think is going to be fine over there. And as a run blocker, he's incredibly athletic and gets down the field, uh, very fast. And that's really the strength of his game. And I'll tell you what, it's going to blow people's mind in the off season what Austin Jackson's going to get in free agency because tackles young tackles don't hit free agency. If he had three either bad or injury plagued seasons and in his fourth year Uh, at what 24 years old, he's a middle of the pack offensive tackle. He's going to get 15 million a year.
1: Mm -hmm. I could see a team like Baltimore for some reason was the first one that popped into my head, something like that, just somewhere where he can go out and run. Uh, Kendall Lamb leads the team with 13 pressures allowed. Austin Jackson has 11, despite just the one sack and Lester Cotton's at nine, just a little added context here. Um, when you consider that two is getting the ball out so quick, it gives you a little bit of a better understanding of where these offensive linemen stand. Connor Williams has surrendered, has been called for five penalties this year. That's 28th in the NFL. Nothing horribly concerning, but just something to keep in mind. But I guess the simple question I want to ask, can this group hold up for two more months?
2: Yeah, that's the question. But what's comforting to know is that they've been—they've shown the ability to literally pull guys off the street and not only uh, survive but do well. I mean, look, Kendall Lamb. If I had asked you about him a year ago, would anybody have even known who he is? I mean, this is guy. This guy has been with so many different teams. He's a journeyman. He's former undrafted free agent coming out of college. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and to to think that he's the starting left tackle for so many games and the dolphins are fine is mind blowing. I mean, if I had told you before the season that they're going to face the Patriots at home and Teron Armstead's going to be out. Connor Williams is going to be out. Isaiah Wynn is going to go down for the season the week before. And then Robert Hunt leaves the game in the, in the third quarter and the offensive line was fine. You say, there's no way that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened here. Two weeks ago, go against the Patriots. So, And it's also as far as looking at the offensive line for the organization in general, I mean, it's more sustainable when you have shown the ability to win and to play well with offensive linemen that were not good anywhere else. So Mm -hmm. now that, look, Robert Hunt and Connor Williams are both free agents in the offseason. They're going to probably lose one of them, at least. And Austin Jackson, as well as a free agent, they may only keep one of those three. So they need to show the ability to get more with less on the offensive line, and they're showing that.
1: Liam Eikenberg, your opening day starting center next year.
2: He might. Oh, be. I already see the stink on your face. <laughs> he 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 might be. I mean, I it'll be interesting with Connor Williams because look, his negatives and his positives are very clear. His his negatives are you know we we saw at the end of the the, the Chiefs Dolphins game um, the bad snap and hey you can debate about whether or not Tua should have still come away with that but it was a bad snap. There's no doubt about that, especially for a left when snapping to a left-handed quarterback and you know this is still a problem here a couple of years later with Connor williams and snapping the ball and it's it's the constant fear that in a timing-based offense he's going to do that so there's that he also gets a lot of penalties like you alluded to but he's 27 years old and might be the best run blocking center in the league you want to look at that those two raheem moster plays um in the final drive where he had two carries for 44 yards, why they took him out of the backfield, the next three plays. I have no idea, but uh, you'll see Connor Williams combo blocking on both of those, those plays don't happen with Connor Williams. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic as he hits for agency next year.
1: Yeah. Even I kind of look back, the, the, Eagles did dominate the line of scrimmage against the Dolphins but I don't think the offensive line was ever the situate in the situation where we can just point the finger at them for the reason they lost. We haven't seen just that matchup where the offensive line is so overmatched and the coaching staff has no answers. Uh, so when you look through the rest of the season, I mean you start with the Raiders, you know Max Crosby is an absolute animal. Uh the Jets defense is strong. Washington, they sold their off- or the their defensive linemen for a couple draft picks. Mika Parsons. I mean, the Ravens lead the league uh, with uh, an average of 3.9 sacks per game. And then you got Buffalo at 3.2 sacks per game because there are a little bit of a, some scary defensive lines on the horizon.
2: Yeah, there are. And the Jets defensive line is probably playing the best in football right now mm-hmm. uh, on arguably the best team in football. And, you know, if if you go into that Jets game and, and again, put 20 points on the board, I think you win the game. But that could be a tall task. You know, it would be just a just a kick in the stomach if if you face the Jets and either of them came away with a thirteen to ten or a sixteen to thirteen loss. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Dolphins are going to sweep the Jets, uh, based solely on the, the the their defense against Zach Wilson. Yep. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but with the Raiders, you know, yeah, Max Crosby is really a top five defensive player in the NFL right now. I mean, what I think he's at nine and a half sacks might be more. Um, but thankfully that when a team has had really just one dominant pass rusher, really Mike McDaniel's done a great job of being able to neutralize him. So Max Crosby may ruin the game, but the Dolphins have shown great ability with Mike McDaniel to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Kep, before I let you go take off your weekend, we're nine weeks through the season. Uh, walk me through it. What have you learned about the Miami Dolphins and how you feel about them moving forward?
2: Yeah, I if you take each individual player, it's hard. It's hard to come away with anybody who you look at and say, I'm disappointed with this year. The guys like Savan Ahmed, Eli Apple, who who, I I didn't think they were very good to begin with. So that's, that's, you know, but when you're the Dolphins. You know, we saw how, how rough it was earlier this year and yeah, they got punched in the mouth in the first drive of the game against the chiefs, but the rest of the game, they allowed seven points to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs offense and under and held them under 200 yards after the first drive. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. And now when you look at who the dolphins face in the next five games, just by the defense alone going up against those quarterbacks, and being able to get pass rush from the outside and overwhelm that quarterback, they should build themselves a a nice win total. And now they're going to have a chance again in the final three games to prove that they belong among the NFL elite.
1: At Brian cat NFL, my friend, you have said it all. Thank you so much for joining us. That is all the time we have for another Dolphins podcast. Go enjoy your weekend. We'll talk Dolphins next week, but until then, it's up.